Gator Tales with Sean Kelly is presented by UF Health. UF Health has locations throughout Florida, including Gainesville, Jacksonville, St. Augustine, Leesburg, and the Villages, and we're growing. Compassionate care and world-class outcomes. That's our game plan. Visit ufhealth.org to learn more. Gator Tales with Sean Kelly is also presented by Pet Paradise. Hey, Gator fans, for pet fanatics like you, there's only one place who goes all out for your pet the way you do. Boarding, grooming, day camp, and veterinary services, all in one convenient location. Pet Paradise and New Day Veterinary Care. Finally, complete pet health care is here for Gator Nation. Hi again, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly, and welcome to Gator Tales with Sean Kelly. It's hard to believe, but the overlap has begun. While Florida's fall sports seemingly are still just getting started, teams that compete during the winter months are cranking up. Both basketball teams begin practice this week. We will begin some basketball talk on this episode. Meanwhile, volleyball is undefeated in SEC play. Soccer is showing improvement from a season ago. Tennis, swimming and diving, track and field, and others are ramping up. And then there's football, of course. The Gators are ranked 22nd in the nation and just finished a sweep of their three-game September homestand. The tailgating has been superb, too. And the swamp has been boiling with sellouts in each of the last two most recent home games. Our visit today begins with football. Gators punter Jeremy Crawshaw is on the Ray Guy Award watch list and coming off arguably his best performance of the season yet. Good timing. Jeremy's mother is in town. She is visiting from the family's home in Australia. I sat down with mother and son for a conversation in the Foley Hall of Champions at the Heavener Training Facility. Our next guest is always quick to remind me that punters are people too, but Jeremy Crawshaw, the Gators punter, is our guest and we'll bring in his special guest here in a moment. Um, I can't believe now we're talking about your junior year at the University of Florida. Does it feel like that for you? To be honest, not really. It's kind of flown by. It's kind of been a bit of a blur coming in the 2020 season with COVID, sitting and redshirting behind Jacob Finn my first year and learning a lot. The first couple of years, though, I have to admit, flew by. They uh, learned a lot, but it was much of a, it was as much of a blur as it was something to uh, remember. But this, this year uh, means a lot. It's a building year on the years that we've already had, and that's kind of the way I'm looking at it now. You know, trying to get a scholarship in America to end up getting a scholarship to one of the top universities in the country I think that's kind of what my journey's been about. It's just surprises along the way. Speaking of things maybe you didn't expect or maybe you did expect it, you're also on the Ray Guy Award watch list coming into this season too. I think that's also a mark of your maturity here as well. Yes, sir. Um, every year is um, a new year to get better, a new year to learn more experiences and build the resume for the next level, which is the NFL. This year has come with a lot of ups and downs and, and opportunities to learn. One of the biggest things I've learned this year is how do you respond to things? Things cannot go your way, but it's how you respond to them and get back on the horse and do your best to give the next opportunity everything you have. That's the thing I've learned this year. Are you finding help with that? I mean, is there professional help that can serve you in that role? I reach out a lot to guys that are in the league, some people that have experienced things like this. It's always good to get um, some advice on situations like this yeah. um, but a lot of it comes down to just personal resilience and character and how you hold yourself in these situations it's interesting I'm a, I'm a little bit older than you are I think that I found that for men especially and for 
men who are in the business that you are of athletics, sometimes it's hard to ask. Mm -hmm. And you think, well, I should be able to fix this myself. And um, I'm glad that you're figuring out at a, at a younger age than me that that's a good thing to do. Yes, sir. Um, it's very important to do, to reach out and ask for help. As you said, it's one of the tougher things to do, but once you get it out um, and you actually physically ask, then it becomes much easier and you realize that there's so much more support than you could have ever imagined. So that's one of the biggest things is just getting over that first hump of asking. New South Wales, do I have that right? Yeah. Is that near Sydney? or I mean, Help me understand my, my Australian geography yeah. here. So New South Wales is the state that I live in. It's, it is home to Sydney um, and it is also home to my hometown of Emu Plains, which is about an hour outside of Sydney. And so with that being said, your special guest. Would you please introduce who's joined us here at the table today? Today with us is my own mother, Ali Crawshaw. She is a high school teacher and one of the best people I know. Oh, she says, Ali, Jeremy told me last week that this is your first trip back to the States to see him here since his official visit. That seems like a long time ago. It's pretty much four years to the day that we were here. And we came with Jeremy and we were wide-eyed and he was a lot younger than he is now. He came here kind of a, a teenage boy um, and now I'm, look, I'm sitting across from a man yeah. and, you know, we've, we're back now um, looking at everything that's changed and all the things that we heard about when we were first here and uh, still probably not believing, to be honest with you, not believing that that guy sitting over there being interviewed is my son, you know, he's the same person who arrived here quite some time ago. I had a hard time sending my children off to college across a state, let alone the other side of the world. Um, how much anxiety have you suffered over the last couple of years with that going on? I think this is the fifth year of this process because we sent Jeremy across to another state. We didn't send him, that's not fair, he went. Okay. He went and we said, okay. Um, so we, we had that practice of about a thousand Ks to deal with first. And then, um, of course, there was a natural progression to come across here. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard when things happen and, you know, you're just on the other side of the world and you want to keep jumping on a plane all the time to come and see him. But, you know, it's, it's a fantastic opportunity and we, we relish that and we think of that all the time, actually, to get us through. Would you describe for me or tell the story of the day that Jeremy came to you and said, Mom, I want to be an American football-style kicker. Do you remember that distinctly? Yes, I'm not sure if Jeremy's told you or not, but he told us that he wanted to do this. He'd heard about this, and he was still only um, mid midway through high school, what we call high school. And I, I said, oh, you know, that's, that's lovely, dear, but um, what degree are you going to do and which university nearby and, or are you going to do a trade? So he kept, you know, talking about this and then talking about an Australian company, ProKick. And I actually said to him, how do you know they're legit? How do you know they're not just going to take it? They've heard this story. Yeah. How do you know they're not just going to take your money? This is not just promises and how can this be real? But Jeremy kept pushing at it and pushing at it. And um, when the pro kick fellas came up, because they're in another state, um, when they came up to see Jeremy kick, they were in fact real people. And I did get to meet them. He made sure I went with him. And I did get to meet them. And they, you know, they're, they're such genuine guys who really know their stuff. So very quickly we learnt, okay, this is real. This is happening. Um, yeah, and it's in incredible that now we sit on the sidelines with other parents going through the pro kick process. 
uh, as they're able to get guys young, like Jeremy's quite young for them at the time, and they're able to bring in younger guys now, and we sit there saying, no, no, it's legit. Go on this, go on this ride because you will not regret it. Unbelievable. Are you able to follow um, his, his games, his work in Australia, and, and how do you do so? We follow it on any means possible. Lucky Mr. Crawshaw's the IT guy, and he usually finds where it's playing and how to be able to watch. But it's not some barbecue first and then watch the game. It's usually 3 a.m. in the morning for us, and everything else is quiet and, you know, sleeping kids upstairs and neighbours, and we just have to kind of contain it. But every now and again we get really excitable and and wake the neighbours up because we're, you know, watching some awesome football. Um, but it's usually an overnight game for us. Um, the last three have been 9am on a Sunday morning. Still not exactly the time that you'd party, but a lot nicer for us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's for sure. So, do I have this right? The Charlotte game will be the first time she will have seen you do this in person then, correct? Yes, sir. It'll be the first um, game that I punt in or hold in live that she will watch. That's remarkable. Are you ready for this experience at the Swamp? No. No. <laughs> no, I went for a little walk yesterday. Yesterday was my first day here. Went for a little walk, came around the corner, saw Ben Hill Griffin studio and burst into tears out of just the pride yeah. of of the fact oh he he plays there. Yeah. You know, we don't have the equivalent of these sizes in Australia. So to me it's still really huge. It's overwhelming. And so I don't know that I'm ready to watch him play. I just take it as it comes, I guess. Yeah. Soak it all up. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, real, real quick, Mom, is, is Jeremy's apartment ship shape? Is it up to your standards, you know, for this visit? Uh, ask me again just before I leave. I don't, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Actually, it's great, and the guys are great. Yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure of that. Hey, look, you've got Mom here for nine days. Obviously, you're, you're having her at the football game. Where else will you take her in and around Gainesville, Florida? Okay. Um, I've been thinking, I personally was thinking maybe some Jacksonville or, or Augustine get out of Gainesville so she can experience a bit of Florida as well. But um, within Gainesville, I mean, it's a lot of just showing her around campus, some buildings that I might have been in, um, showing her around some other sports fields. Um, I think we were talking about uh, that Devil's Foothole or Mill, I don't know. I Devil's don't know. Mill Hopper, yeah. You know? Yeah, something I actually never really heard of before, but... Um, so, yeah, I mean, just showing around campus. Um, Your schedule's not real conducive to, you know, touring the state, but I get it. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, but we'll find time around and we'll, we'll figure it out. Does she get to wear one of your jerseys to the game? I mean, is that an Australian thing to do? I have it. Maybe. I have a jersey at home, um, game worn. So more than welcome to chuck that on and walk around with yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. It was a pleasure meeting you. Welcome to the States. You've, I think you've been over, over here before, haven't you? Or was this, is this the first time other than the visit? I'd only previously been in transit, so the official visit was our first real okay. stop anywhere in America. Okay. Yeah. Enjoy it. We're, we're really proud of Jeremy, that's for sure. And uh, when I heard that you were coming to town, I said, well, perfect. I want to talk to him and I want to meet his mom. So um, congratulations. I hope you have a great visit. Thank you very much. So far, it hasn't disappointed. Beautiful, beautiful place. And, and you, kick it high and far. That's all I ever ask you to do. And be a charming guy as you always are. Of course. Of course. Thank you.
Crawshaw and the football Gators hit the road this week to play Kentucky in Lexington. Safe travels to mom as well. Also hitting the road this week is associate head men's basketball coach Carlin Hartman. Hartman is off to New Orleans where he will be inducted into the Tulane Athletics Hall of Fame. Hartman played for the Green Wave in the early 90s and was inducted previously as a member of his team that reached new heights for the Wave in the early 90s. Now he goes in on his individual merits and we couldn't be happier for a beloved member of our staff here at Florida. Well, it's one thing to call somebody a Hall of Famer. It's another to call them a two-time Hall of Famer. And that's the case with Carlin Hartman. Went in with his teammates for the first time into the Tulane Hall of Fame just a couple of years ago. But, Carlin, this year you go in all by yourself, on your own merits. Congratulations. Thank you, Sean. It's uh, quite the honor and one that, you know, is now just starting to hit me as, uh, you know, these – next four days is going to pass by pretty quickly. So I'm excited um, really to see a lot of old faces in the Tulane community as well as uh, my wife's done an unbelievable job of getting our family together. So there's going to be 35 uh, people there um, coming to support us from all over uh, the country. I mentioned this just the other day to you that we'd l I'd like to visit with you prior to this happening. And you were kind of like, yeah, sure, no problem. And then today now there's something different about you that we're in the same week that you will be inducted. Why is that? I think it's just the, maybe the anticipation of it. And, you know, when I got the call uh, from Troy Dannon, uh, back in um, late April, um, it was just one of those things where it was unexpected, number one. Um, but then also it was gratifying just to know that after all these years that, you know, I'm still synonymous with, you know, the era of Tulane basketball that, you know, arguably is the most successful in the program's history. So um, now that it's here for this week and the anticipation is growing, but it's also, again, seeing all the people that I just mentioned, all the loved ones, that, yeah. that really is going to mean a lot to me. You don't strike me as the guy that will sign HOF behind your name. Maybe you will, but when does it hit an individual that I'm Hall of Fame worthy? Oh, man. Okay, so I have not thought about that question. Um, I would probably say after the ceremony, um, I'll probably feel a little bit different because I think it'll all just kind of – all come together um you know right now i still kind of don't feel like i'm worthy uh i just feel like i was a part of some really good teams and i had some really good teammates um that as my role was more of a protector um they let the stars really shine um but there's a huge role for that kind of player and uh you know now that it's uh you know, here, I'm very proud of, you know, the accomplishment. Okay, I appreciate the enforcer role and being a true teammate, but let's not forget, you scored over a 1,000 points and you owned the glass in your years there in the early 90s at Tulane. Those numbers are remarkable. Surely you even look back at those numbers and go, wow, I did that. Yeah, yeah it was, um, you know, especially where the program was at that time and when I concluded my career, finishing 10th in scoring, um, finishing in the top 10 in rebounding. Um, I was one of the top field goal percentage uh, players in school history. I finished seventh in steals. So there was a lot of things, one of the top offensive rebounders in the, in the, in the school history. So there were a lot of things that I did individually. Um, but I was just really good at my role, you know, and I, you know, wasn't as, you know, talented as like some of the other guys that came um, uh, that were in that same era that, you know, were, all conference guys and and so forth but 
I just embraced, you know, being, you know, what I was, you know, and I was uh, a hustle guy, um, a guy that, you know, like you said, got, got on the glass, a guy that, you know, took a hard foul when needed. Um, and a lot of what we did, and fortunately a lot of what I did, you know, equated to a lot of winning. Mm-hmm. So um, that I'm more proud of than anything. The individual stuff obviously is cool, and everybody would like, you know, some sort of accolades. But um, just to be recognized the way like this, um, seeing as though, you know, I wasn't a four-time all-conference guy. Um, and, of course, I did have some individual accolades, but, you know, I think just the appreciation of how I played and how I conducted myself means more than anything. Yeah, I hope you remind these young players that you work with now that you shot better than 56%, just to make sure that they know you knocked down the shots. <laughs> Carlin, when you think about, you know, the weekend upcoming here, your induction, what do you think, whether it's in the official setting of the induction or – just among family and friends. What's the story you think you're going to tell the most during your time in New Orleans? Oh. <laughs> uh, well, I met my wife there. So that was a, a, a huge highlight of the four years. I think the on the basketball court, it was obviously the relationships that were built. The two NCAA tournament, um, and, the, and the two wins, of course, as well. Winning the conference championship, I think, was a, just a huge deal. Um, and the way we won it, 91-92, um, the team that got inducted into the Hall of Fame a couple years back, um, that was just a, just like an unbelievable special moment. Um, that's where Tulane basketball kind of came, you know, to the nation uh, during that time. You know, you had the posse and the two uh, tier uh, two two team system that we incorporated, and you know. It was just like a magical run that I know a lot of people around the country probably didn't expect. We knew we had some really good ability, uh, but it was just how everything came together. That 91-92 team was special. We won the conference championship, uh, beat St. John's in the first-round NCAA tournament. And a guy that comes from New York State, you know, you watch a lot of Big East basketball, so playing St. John's, you know, and having an opportunity to win that game, you know, meant a lot to me. Uh, So... That was kind of a broad way of ask, uh, answering that. Um, I think the the thing I remember the most would be just the signature moment when we beat Southern Miss um, at Southern Miss on Clarence Weatherspoon's senior night to um, clinch the Metro Conference regular season championship. Interesting you picked a road game because Fogelman at the time was an absolute snake pit. I mean, you guys kind of made your name by – by thriving off of a real hostile environment, but yet you mentioned a road game. Yeah. I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Um, who picks out what you wear for the Hall of Fame induction? Is that a you yourself, or is there somebody else involved? No, no it will be my wife and my girls. So, you know, we're thinking about what Tulane being, uh, there's a little bit of blue in there. Obviously, they're the green wave, so you're going to have green, of course. Um, and so we're going to, probably deal with you know some blue some some green some white you know and make sure the color scheme is correct I will have nothing to do with it I will tell you that right now they will be all Christine Hartman Sydney Kaylin and Tess you're in good hands coach <laughs> I, I really am <laughs> I believe it <laughs> enjoy the heck out of this experience and uh, we're looking forward to you getting right back here to work with our guys here in Gainesville way to go I can't wait thank you so much Sean appreciate it Hartman's style and class have carried over to a long career in coaching. He is beginning his second season with the Gators on Todd Golden's staff, and we hope he continues to rub off on the bigs. 
those forwards and centers he is primarily in charge of. He's got some new ones to impact this year. In fact, there are a lot of new players for Florida men's basketball this season. Practice for the new season is underway, and I've got some homework to do. I'll get some help, though, from a yearly tradition on FloridaGators.com. Senior writer Chris Harry always signals the new season with a comprehensive primer on the team's roster of players. That outstanding work is a part of his Harry Fodder series. You had your work cut out for you this year. There's a lot of new players for Florida men's basketball. Yeah, there were a lot of new players last year. There were not there 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 were a lot of new coaches last yeah. year, Sean. But uh, the difference is, um, it's one year later, year and a half later. Uh, Todd Golden's system is in. Uh, his philosophies are in. Uh, this is a, a, a basketball team that is made up of all his players, whereas last year I believe he arrived and he inherited six players. Now, now you know it's it's these are these are his guys. He knows what he wanted. He knew last year, and you knew last year very well, sitting at courtside with Lee, that uh, this team was one of the worst rebounding teams in the country. Um, not a good three-point shooting team. Uh, I think my stats showed. I think they were the, tied for the third-worst three-point shooting team. Um, offensive efficiency wasn't very good. And once you lost Colin Castleton, you were incredibly, incredibly limited to what you could do inside. Well, Richard, uh, a, basically a guard, had to play a lot of the four positions. So um, the remake was one that involved uh, a lot of acquisitions of, of size and shooting potential and Todd kind of thinks uh, that's the kind of team he has right now. No doubt. As I said in the intro, Harry Fodder is up on FloridaGators.com, and this is kind of my signal to the start of the season. When I see Chris Harry put together the primer, as he calls it, <laughs> uh, we're, we're ready to go. It used to be, you know, we'd have Midnight Madness and all those things. I, we don't have that anymore, so I just look for the we primer. Have Harry we have Harry Fodder. Let's get, let's um, all right, so let's just get into it a little bit here. Guards. Who are the guards now for the Florida Gators? Well, it starts with Riley Kugel, of course, and uh, – he had a coming out party uh, late in the season. After Colin got uh, got injured and was lost for the season, um, they turned to Riley. He became the go-to guy, and he responded. I, I, uh, ten straight double digits or ten straight double-figure scoring games, first time for a freshman since Brad Beal. I think he averaged 17 and a half points a game uh, on that stretch um, when they when they really really needed him to to pick them up. So this is a guy that shows up on on some lottery lottery pick uh, mock boards right now so you build around him and you build around real richard who analytically and you know how these guys in this building here uh, love analytics well richards was one of the most efficient uh, offensive players in the country last year when it came to pure shooting now you got you start with those guys you bring in walter clayton jr the uh uh uh, uh, uh i'd say combo guard but certainly has the ability to play the point from iona um jordan tally one of the, the assistant uh director of player development here he said you play for rick patino you get a PhD in basketball, mm-hmm. and and Wal- and Walter Clayton played uh, uh, for Rick Pitino for the last two seasons. Um, he also fits this mold that that uh, Todd and his staff have liked. Um, guys that played multiple sports in high school, and obviously Walter Clayton played multiple sports because uh, the football coach right up the road here, they recruited him hard as a safety out of Bartow High School. Um, but Walter Clayton wanted to play basketball. He's here. He's a very uh, he's a he's a he's an emotional player. He's fiery. He's super competitive, and he can really shoot the shoot the three point shot. I think two seasons uh, right at forty percent, and he led the nation last year in free point in three free free throw percentage. Sean, so you got him. Uh, you're going to surround him also with a fellow by the name of Zion Pullen, a point guard from um, from Cal Riverside. 
uh, four-year player there, uh, all-league player last year. Um, sturdy, looks kind of like a, a cornerback to me a little bit, um, but he's ready for the physicality of the Southeastern Conference. He's not a, he's, he has a good three-point percentage, but I wouldn't call him a three-point shooter. He's more of a facilitator, um, had good uh, numbers, numbers across the board, but he's a guy who's going to get inside, who's going to probe, he's going to penetrate. And he's uh, pretty good. With his, he's 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 kind of like kind of like Walter in that regard. Except yeah. I, except I think he's a I think he's a better uh, a better facilitator than 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 Clayton. And you know we're f- we're filling out guys on on the perimeter. But those three guys plus Will Richard on on the on the perimeter is is is, is how this team's going to work out yeah. outside. I, I thought it was interesting in the primary you talked about. You know, last year's team had to be a five-out team. Uh, This will look different. Look, obviously it's going to look different. There's no Colin Castleton for the first time in like 35 years, it feels like. But... um and you so, just got here last week. I, I know, right. But that's all I heard. And, of course, you looked at the numbers and the body of work. I mean, Colin, in a lot of ways, could end up being in a, a Hall of Fame here at Florida someday. I, I don't right. think there's an argument against that. Maybe there is. Um, you know, it's interesting. We talk about the transfers. There's three freshmen that are coming in. Mm-hmm. And, honest, if I'm being honest... They didn't move the needle nationally a whole lot, but yet you and others around here seem to be pretty high on these three guys. Well, yeah, and and I'll give uh, let's let's start with the two that got here. This is unusual. Usually freshmen arrive for for summer B, and uh, Alex Condon from Australia and and Thomas Hawk from um, from <clears throat> excuse me Pennsylvania got here in May. So they're way ahead of the curve uh, in terms of you know being ingrained in in what they do around here. And I tell you what, uh, they have been the surprises of the summer, uh, especially Alex Condon. He's a 6'11 guy. Uh, he's got a, uh, a background. Again, we talk uh, multiple sports. He has a background in Australian rules football. And if you can imagine a 6'11 guy running around playing Australian rules football, he, he went through a growth spurt and changed to basketball. His father is a, is a renowned Australian rules football player uh, down there, down under, I guess I should say, right? Um, but, uh, again, we're, we're here because practice is about to start. You're going to come in and you're going to see this guy play, and you're just going to see him make winning plays and be inside, playing aggressively. And it's just not something uh, uh, that we've seen around here. Yeah. Um, uh, much more so, and as, as good as Colin was, this guy's going to fight for possessions. Uh, Thomas Hawk is another guy who gets in the mix, not afraid. And uh, we talk about guys that have been in, 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 around here a while, see little Chandler Parsons in him, the freshman Chandler Parsons, uh, that kind of build, that kind of frame, really runs really, runs really well, can shoot it, but again, crash, crashes the glass and makes winning plays. So we talk about the guys inside, another freshman, and we're going to work on this pronunciation, by the way, okay? Ready? Please. Caius Kablinkus, is that, is, that what, is that what we're going with? Do we know that yet? Until told otherwise. <laughs> Caius Kablinkus uh, from Lithuania. Um, uh, guy who showed up uh, like a week before school started, um, point guard. Uh, he watched a little bit of 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 what the what the Gators do system wise. Watched a little dry offense and they threw him in, in the mix. And this is a guy who basically played with pros overseas uh, until he was 18. And you know you can you can do so much and still over there as a, in a pro league and still maintain college eligibility, which he did. And he showed up and they're happy with him so far. I don't know how much he's gonna get in the mix uh, with all those guards on the outside, but I, I I guarantee Alex Condon is gonna play a lot and Thomas is gonna play a lot. And up in the front court. I, we haven't met yet. Tyree Samuel, the transfer from, <clears throat> excuse me, Seton Hall. He's huge. He's, he, his shoulders. <laughs> I, I just you look like you can land a plane on him. He's he's got he's got that 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 kind of pterodactyl kind of looking you know, 
about him. And of course, Micah, Micah Hanlogton, the transfer from Marshall, who was the freshman of the year in the Sunbelt Conference last year. Um, a guy who averaged over nine rebounds a game, was an elite rim protector. And in the preseason primer, you, you had some, there's some comparisons to a young Walker Kessler. Now, Walker Kessler, if you recall, at North Carolina, he, he wasn't great as freshman year at North Carolina, but went to Auburn and kind of blossomed as a sophomore and became a, a, a high draft pick in the, in, in the NBA. But he's got that kind of frame, you know, 7'1", 235, and he's the first seven-footer to come here and play since Dwayne Shinsis in the 1980s. Wow, that is a long time. It's hard to believe because, you know, right. seven-footers seem a lot more common. Now, a lot of now. people jo- say Joe Kim Noah may have been a seven-footer, if we went, but he, he never listed himself as a seven He, he was always 6'11", but uh, if we – if they can get guys that move like him, size like that, and, and Alex Condon is a person that they say looks a little like Joe Kim Noah when he showed up here. So let's give him time to, to develop and time to play in the system. And it's going to be a totally different team, uh, Sean. And, and, you know, you got you to gotta get your numbers straight, right? right? Doesn't have, <laughs> I got time. Um, we, since we know we start now six weeks before the first game. But um, it's all there in the primer, by the way, and it's, it is a must-read. It's long form, so – get comfortable, uh, but you'll be ready to go for the season. It's a long read. How many hours does it take you to put that thing together? Well, Can you even count them? Well, you know, you take notes over the course of the summer and just just watch these guys. And what I do is I, I'll say I – t- I take my time and say, okay, I'm going to do one guy today. I'll do another guy tomorrow yeah. and kind of kind of spread it out so you don't just sit there and, and bang away and get all cloudy-headed or whatever. So, you know, I, I, I started a few weeks ago. <laughs> the primer's done. Yes. Practice is underway. Uh, give me what you believe is the number one storyline for Todd Golden's team from now until the opener. Number one, st- I mean, they're going to talk about bouncing back from last. It was 16 and 17, and this is the first time this program has had back-to-back um, uh, has failed to reach the NCAA tournament two straight season in 25 years. Yeah. So that's what they're talking about. They're talking about competing. They're talking about being the best team, obviously, they can be when they enter a very difficult non-conference schedule. And, you know, I, I sit, we're sitting here and saying, I, I do believe this is a, a much better team, more well-rounded, more complete team than a year ago. But a lot of teams in the SEC are going to be a lot better. Uh, and some of the teams that were already good are going to be even better. Some of them are, will take a little step back to the pack, but Florida needs to be in that mix. They want badly to get back into the NCAA tournament. They were 9-9 nine and nine in the league last year. Two teams last year in the league finished 8-10 and 10 and still made the NCAA tournament. So uh, uh, Florida has, has aspirations to be back in there, and they should have aspirations because that that's what this program is used to, and that's what Todd Golden came here to do. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, we're visiting outside on campus, so I know you're shocked there's a blower going yes, in. So that probably should mean that we should probably wrap this conversation <laughs> up. Thanks as always, Chris. Thank you very much, Sean. Look forward to it. All right, so that'll do it here for Episode 5. Man, September 23 went by in a flash. And as I mentioned earlier, we're off to Kentucky later this week. Ball game in Lexington starting at noon Eastern between the Gators and the Wildcats. Hope to see you next week. I'll have some more great conversations for you as I continue my travels and my time here as the voice of the Gators. Big thanks to our guests today. Of course, that's Carlin Hartman, Chris Harry, Jeremy Crawshaw, and Mom Too. And a a special thanks, as always, to our great sponsors, UF Health and Pet Paradise. I'm Sean Kelly. Until next time, go Gators!